Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. Woo. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm dragging a bit this morning from all the fun we had yesterday. It's, a, it's an amazing thing when you see... How many people can come through your building in just that four or five hour period? I mean, it's, it's just mind boggling how that, uh, you know, everything is just came into order the way it all happens. And uh, as a pastor, I'm just blown away to see all of that transpire. Uh, before I begin today, I just want to uh, share with you, we're going to welcome a new member today. Her name is Linda Markham. If you would stand, Linda, I would appreciate that. And we're welcoming you as a new member. And I want you guys to all get to know her. She's a wonderful lady full of giftings and life and love. And uh, uh, she's just came right in and blended right in with us. So, Linda, it's so good to have you on board as a member at Redeemer's Church. God bless you. Let's give Linda a hand today. Hallelujah. Woo. Praise the Lord. I'm going to pray and ask God to help me pull this off today. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to join together. Father, I thank you that your word is alive and well. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's always rightly dividing the things of life into the categories that we can see clearly who you are and what you do. And so, Father, your, your word also never returns void. So I pray that every scripture that is spoken out of my mouth today will sink deep into the hearts of our people. Father, that we would be able to embrace it because, Father, there's things that you say, Lord, that quite frankly, we don't see how in the world we could do that or be those kinds of people. But you do and you will. And so, Father, today we just set all of this message and this whole series that we've been having uh, before you. And we just ask, God, that you would uh, lead and impart and let the seeds that have been planted grow throughout 2024. And so, Father, today we're just so grateful for all those things. And we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Tammy was sharing with me as we were talking about all the things that we've done. Uh, we didn't just take a handful of coats over to Scottwood. We, we delivered 100 coats. And these just weren't any coats. They are cool coats. They're the, they're the best coats that we've ever bought. If I could have fit into one of them, I might have sat one to the side for me. They were that cool. And so... Um, it's amazing what you can do and what you can accomplish when you do it together. You know, growing up an athlete all of my life, you quickly learn no matter what team you're on, you're only as good as the people who are around you. And so you also learn that it's better to try to improve everybody around you than to try to be the star of the show. And uh, that's what the body of Christ is. It's a bunch of great people working together to accomplish a goal that was set forth for us by the king of this kingdom. And one of the things that I know for sure is this, is that it's his heart that none should perish. 
And this series has been entitled Issue One. There's a thousand things that the church participates in, but there's one theme that should always be generated off of anything that we do. And that theme should be to make him known to those who do not know him. To make, him, to make people aware of who he is through our lives. I was talking to Fred this morning and uh, we were lamenting about our aches and pains and all of these things. But yet we said the joy of the Lord is our strength. And what do people see when they see us? Do they see the lamenters or do they see the people that walk in joy? And the world is looking for an example to follow. And the example that we follow first is the example that Jesus set forth for us. The way that we should live, the things that we should do, the things that we should say, the people that we should be. And you know, sometimes if you uh, have a hard time honoring the one who uh, is worthy to be praised, it's sometimes hard to honor the idea of who we are to be in him. Does that make sense to you? Because until you know what Jesus' full plan is, it's hard to enact that plan. You know, the plan of God has been clear from the beginning of time. It's all about people. It started with Adam and Eve. They had a, a little bit of an issue, and uh, there was a separation. And then it came to the place to where God rectified that situation. He, re they, he rectified that situation with Jesus. And that's why we follow what we do during this season of the year. This is all about the birth of our Savior. This is all about Jesus coming to set people free. We've talked about through this series that he did not come to be served. What an amazing example. But he came to seek and save that which was lost and then to pay the price for our salvation. It says that he came as a ransom for all of us. There was a debt that we all paid that or we all owed that we could never pay. And that debt was our sin. And he paid for our sin on the cross, which enabled us to say yes to him. The Bible says we say yes to him with our hearts, not our minds. We we wrap our minds around it, but then it has to affect the core of who we are. And so when we say yes to Jesus, the Bible talks about out of the heart, you know, we make a confession because God knows until he captures our heart, he can't capture our life. As a matter of fact, I always say one of the ways that I know that God's captured a, a real believer is when he captures your wallet. I mean, I'm just being serious. That, you know, when, when you honor the kingdom through your tithing, that shows where what you believe and how firmly you believe it and so the enemy is aware completely aware of this plan as well and if you would turn with me i'm going to read a scripture that's tied into the christmas story this morning to first accentuate the idea that uh and i said this before the greatest battle of all time is for the souls of all men and the battle is, is us against the enemy. You know, the Lord's already won this battle. And we have to realize that we need to walk into the fullness of that. But from the, his very birth, the inception of his birth, 
the enemy attempted to destroy him. So the reason I'm saying this is, is because we need to understand the magnitude of our situation. And so in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, it says, When they had departed, this is the wise men, they were coming to seek after Jesus, they followed the star, they, were, they, they followed the sign, and they, they came to that place to where uh, they, they knew where he was, and then they had an inspiration, uh, the, a download from the Lord that said, don't go back the same way you came, because they're going to be following you, they're going to they're gonna follow you to find the Savior, and we need to protect him. And it says, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, arise and take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Isn't that interesting? I love the, the word that the, the idea what Herod wanted to do was to destroy all hope for mankind. And that's what his goal was. Because that's what mankind's goal is, is to disrupt the flow of people's lives, to bring them to a place to where they think the world has all their answers when all the answers for life rest in the heart of who God is. And so the whole world works to move people away from the message of uh, Christmas, the message of who Jesus is, the, the message of what he can do for you because man is still operating under the spirit of Herod all of these years later attempting to kill and destroy the opportunity for people to come and know the truth. When he arose, he took the child, departed uh, with his mother that night until the, and, uh, and departed for Egypt. And he was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I call my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, isn't that interesting? The, the, the king was deceived by the wise men. Where, where did these wise men get their, their wisdom from God? What were they trying to do? Find the one who contained all wisdom. He saw that he was deceived by the wise men. He was exceedingly angry, and he set forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all the districts from two years old and under. This was a demonic plan set forth by the pits of hell for a, a, another last-ditch effort. If they couldn't find where Jesus was, then what they would do, think of the magnitude of what was happening here. They took a large region, just say, let's say the Outer Belt, let's say all of 270, Reynoldsburg, Gehanna, uh, Hilliard, all of these areas, Groveport, uh, Worthington, and, and in that area, all of the children two years and under were killed. Can you imagine that happening in today's time? The, the way that would rattle this entire area to know that something was so devious, so diabolical, so demonic that it set forth to destroy at that magnitude, at that level. Well, I'm telling you, although it's not listed in here, I'm sure they felt the exact same way. 
And what was the purpose? To destroy life. To destroy hope. To destroy the one who had all of the answers. To destroy the one who was going to pay the price so that the price couldn't be paid. So that man would have to continue living under the effects of sin forever. But God knew what he was doing when he set forth the plan. And under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled... How many times do we read in the Christmas story? Then was fulfilled. Then was fulfilled. What the prophets had said hundreds of years ago. Because this isn't a plan of happenstance. This is a plan of historical proportions. That could only be put forth by a God who loves us incredibly. I don't know about you, but this uh, Wednesday and Thursday night, uh, way late into the night... There was a meteor shower that happened. Uh, and if you were as crazy as I am and you got your lawn chair out and you went down to the end of your road and you got blankets and you sat and watched it, in an hour and 30 minutes, I saw 34 meteors streak across the sky. And every time I see something like that, I look up at the God who created all of this and I just marvel at how amazing he is. See, the first point of this message is understanding God's plan. Understanding the purpose of God. Simplifying this idea of what we are called to do in the midst of the society that we live in. Listen, this craziness that we call life did not catch God off guard. Okay, can we just square that right now all the things that we think every conversation you say you know 50 years it didn't used to be like this or can you believe this is happening or did you see that on the news or look all of this did not catch God off guard but the enemy likes to use that kind of stuff to divert what issue one is see the enemy would like to weaken the body of Christ so that every Sunday morning when we gather in churches that pastors stand in the pulpit and they have to deliver psychological self-help messages just to help people wake up on Monday morning to be able to survive in life. Listen, this pulpit is not designed to do self-help messages. This pulpit is designed to empower people to do what they've been called to do, and that's live victorious lives under the one who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can imagine. We are the winners. We are not the victims. And one of the things that I want you to prepare yourself for in 2024 is I want you to deposit your victim mentality at the door on December 31st. And embrace yourself with the robe of Joseph, the coat of many colors, that coat that allows you to stand out and be victorious in the kingdom of God. Amen? The prophets were prophesying these things. A voice heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children. Refusing to be comforted because they are no more. The depth of what a mother would feel 
in this time. Now, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. All the ways. Remember, I taught you there's ten ways that God speaks to us. He's always wanting to connect with us. We serve an amazing God. And he appeared to Joseph in a dream and say, Arise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. And then he arose, took the child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. And then we see God begins to set forth the purpose and plan of what Jesus came to earth to do. And John the Baptist was one of the first to understand what that purpose was. And then John took his God-given anointed purpose of preparing the way for Jesus seriously. And he went to work preparing, making straight the pathways for all, for all the people to come and know who Jesus were, who Jesus was. And that's who we are today. We are the modern day disciples of Christ who walk into that position of letting people know and understand who Jesus is. Turn with me to John chapter 3 because I am like way beyond my time in my intro today. Hallelujah. Gosh, I, I never do that. I, I just, what an what a odd thing that that would happen, that I would talk too much. Hallelujah. Uh, let's look at John chapter 3. And this part of this message is understand. This is understanding the magnitude of issue 1. John chapter 3, I read this five weeks ago and made a different point off of this. This is... Uh, Nicodemus coming to try to understand what was going to transpire. Verse 3, Jesus answered him, Most assuredly, I say, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Issue 1 that faces all of mankind is the decision to be born again. Nicodemus didn't quite understand it. He said to Jesus, because I'm sure that, you know, uh, he was a Pharisee, he has been instructed in the law, he was a very wise person, but this concept that Jesus introduced to him about being born again, and he said, how can a man re-enter his mother's womb for a second time? And Jesus said, that's not the, the, the birth I'm talking about. Most assuredly, uh, he said in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. This is Jesus' number one message. You must be born again. We want to take all of the other stuff in the Bible and we want to live in the midst of it. We want to be in the midst of deliverance ministry. Deliverance ministry is fantastic. We want to be in the midst of missions. Missions are fantastic. We want to be in the midst of what we want to be in the midst of, but it's not necessarily issue one of what God wants us to be a part of. You might, get, you might be getting bored with this message, but that's okay. Sometimes if boredom takes you to the place that you need to ultimately get to, I'm all in favor of it. Now, so then Jesus goes on to paint the picture. And he says this. He says, 
that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the new birth, believing on Jesus. He says in John chapter 14, he says that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes unto the Father, nobody comes into everlasting life without first making that connection to me. You cannot go to the Father except through the Son. And that's what his purpose was for coming to earth and paying the price. Now, verse 17 says this, For God did not send his Son in the world to condemn the world. How cool is that? I mean, he could heap condemnation daily on all of us. How many of you realize that you're not perfect and when that, don't raise your hands, just, I'm just raising my hand for all of us. Okay, I'm raising my hand for Dwight. And as the pastor, I am just went ahead and raised it for you. So those of you who didn't raise your hand, you wouldn't be held in contempt of court. But he, he came into that place to not bring condemnation because that's not what he wanted us to feel. He wanted us to feel the favor and the love of who he is and the Holy Spirit is the only one who brings us to that place of condemnation so we can come to know his saving grace. Aren't you glad that it's not your job to heap judgment and condemnation on people who you know are sinners to try to bring them to Christ? Listen, that's a, a tool that a lot of people like to use. They like to say, I'm going to find somebody that's a bigger sinner than I am, and then I'm going to try to condemn them into believing and make me feel better. But that's not the purpose of what God came to do. He, he, he did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world, what, through him, say it with me, might be saved. So that the world through him might be saved. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 9. And let's, we're continuing to look at the heart of Jesus here so that we can understand the idea of why we do what we do. In Matthew 9, 35, it says this, Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, and what was he preaching? Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He was, he was telling them a message that was bigger than them. He was trying to teach them that, in this life everlasting, we live in a bigger kingdom, something that's better than where we are right now. But when you know Jesus, you can live in this life with peace, with, with contentment, with all of those things that come along with our relationship with him. But he said he came to preach the kingdom of the, the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But this is what he saw. And I don't think it would be any different today if Jesus walked the earth. But when he saw the multitudes, when he saw all of the people, if he was watching CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, when they break off to all of these rallies and these things where people gather and they, they scream hatred about this people and hatred about that people, if he was watching those, he would say... He would be moved with compassion for them 
because they were weary and scattered like, uh, like sheep with no shepherd. And that's what happens when people don't know Jesus. They become scattered, they become weary, they pick up every cause that's outside of what the king, gospel of the kingdom is about, and it wears you out. But Jesus, when he looked at them, he had compassion. You must be born again. How am I going to display this? Through compassion. And so he brought compassion to the people that when they saw his compassion, they wanted to be drawn to that. How many of you are the same way? Man, when you see a life that's full of compassion, you, you get drawn to that. Then his disciples, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. See, Jesus knew that we would be preaching six messages about issue one because he, he was hoping that we would draw you in to be the people who are laborers into the harvest. Okay, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. By the way, next Sunday, our Christmas Eve service is going to be incredible. So you'll want to be here first. Second of all, bring your family. Okay, it's, it's going to be an amazing, what's that? Yes, it's at 10 a.m. So we, we scheduled it not at 4, not at 6 on Christmas Eve. It's a Sunday, so we said let's do it at 10 a.m. so that everybody can go hang out with their families uninhibited and you can just have a great time and then you'll get them all saved at your celebration. Hallelujah. So we had an ulterior motive. Okay, Matthew chapter 28. Let's look at, uh, uh, let's look, start at verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, and, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So we're painting the picture of the understanding of what we're up against, what Jesus' purpose is, and what he has called us to do. Go to Acts chapter 1. You know, we, talk, we, we talked extensively, nine messages on the Holy Spirit. And so we know all the, the functions and facets of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're Holy Spirit experts now. And in Acts chapter 1, continuing on to the understanding, in verse 4, it says, Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. Write in your notes, Luke 24, 49. That, that's a, a, a scripture I always love about the Holy Spirit. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
the water baptism signifying that we are his, the spirit baptism that empowers us to be his hands and feet. Two separate baptisms. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were still looking for the kingdom that he was going to set up on earth. And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has put in his own authority. But now he's further uh, explaining Matthew chapter 28. And he says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Issue one is clarified time after time after time after time in his word. And so now he's saying that, you know, I, he, he told them back in John chapter 14, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. Now he's saying in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, this is why I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. So what you're going to do once you receive this impartation is I'm asking you to make issue one, issue one in your life. And so he said, we're going to empower you to, to do the things that I've called you to do. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. If you're there on the screen, if Judy's got you on the screen, say she's got it. Good. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. They're talking about Israel and how Israel rejects the gospel. And the Apostle Paul is making this statement. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? See, the Jews are not fully on board and the Gentiles are totally catching up with them in this religious thing. And so the Apostle Paul says this, How shall they call on him? in whom they have not believed. He's challenging those who know Jesus. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, this is not the preacher's pulpit, okay? This is what Redeemer Church bought a long time ago, and I can't get rid of it. I want the cool glass pulpit, I really do. I want the fancy thing with the emblem in front. But there are so many great men who have preached the message from this podium that every time I get up here and grab each side of it, I feel the anointing of the Prem Pradams and the Willard Jarvises and all of those people who have preached, the Gary Larsons, the Millie Jarvises. That's an extra. You, didn't, you, you, you don't have to pay for that today. And verse 15, how shall they preach unless they are sent? And it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And then verse 17, the faithful scripture that says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our lives are modern-day epistles that God's writing his story through. And part of that story should be who sees Jesus through who we are. 
by what we say, what we do, how we live. Okay, so now let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Okay, the understanding is in place. We're going to talk, we're not going to obviously fit it in in the next two minutes or four or 15 if I keep you that long. But we want to talk about, and today, as long as I get you to understand the, the purpose, that will be enough for me. But the, the next three things that I want you to begin to roll around in your mind is this. I want you to roll around a strategy. When is the last time you strategized about sharing your faith? When is the last time you created a list of people who you know who aren't saved? And you've put them on a three by five card. You've put them on your mirror if you're a man and you go in the shave every morning and you see those names and they're right before you. When is the last time you've said, my strategy will be that uh, on Monday, Wednesday and Friday, I'm praying for my list of people who don't know Jesus and, and you prepare a strategy. When is the last time that you've planned a time to say, hey, man, meet me at Panera's. Can you meet me at Panera's at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning? Just want to share something with you. When is the last time that you've made the preparation for the strategy that God has given you? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Corinth. For I am free... From all men. In other words, your opinion of me no longer matters. I mean, this guy is out there. <laughs> he is out there. And he had to come to the place where he determined that people's opinions of him did not matter. We have to get to that same place. Because if we're going to deal with the unsaved, their opinion of what we bring cannot matter. Their opinion of who we are cannot matter because that's a strategy of the enemy for us to worry about what other people think of us. And so the Apostle Paul says, I'm free of all men. He said, I've made myself a what? Servant to all that he might what? Win the more. So amazing in this one verse, I'm free from all men. I made myself a servant. He made himself. His strategy was, I made myself a servant. And then he said, I do all that because what I want to do is I want to win more people to Christ. And to the Jews, uh, I became as a Jew that I might win the Jews. And to those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. And to those who are without the law, as without the law, not being without the law toward God, but under law toward God, that I might win those who are without the, wall, the law. To the weak I became as weak. To, uh, uh, wait a minute. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker with you. Would you stand with me today? I want you to stand because it'll help me to read faster. 
because I'll see you doing this. I just want to end with this. This is what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy. It says in 2 Timothy 4, first point, understanding why. Second point is forming a strategy. Third is creating a willingness that says, God, I just don't care anymore. I'm going to make this happen. And the fourth thing is this. Purposing to sacrifice and having sensitivity to those who need to hear what we have for them. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers in universities across the United States. Oh, wait a minute. That's the amended version. That's the Dwight version. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But verse 5 says this, But you be watchful in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Now, there's another scripture, one, verse be, one chapter before that about these perilous times. The Apostle Paul's not writing this to verify the season. We're all aware. We're hotly in the middle of 2 Timothy 3 and 4. That, there's no doubt about that. People have become lovers of themselves, blah, blah, blah. We know all that. That's not to point out and verify. No, that's to motivate us to say we have a short window of time until the enemy, listen to me, like Herod, who sought to kill everyone to and under, where the enemy turns the hearts and minds of everybody so far away from God, ministering truth to them becomes even more impossible. So, Father, today, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this series that was obviously on your heart. I thank you for each incredible person who is assembled here today. Your disciples, these are your disciples, God. They're incredible people. You've heard us brag about all of the great things, the, the, the Scottwood stuff and the Christmas outreach yesterday. These people love you, God. I pray, Father, that in their heart of hearts, that issue one, could become the main thing about who they are. Help us to strategize for the lost. Help us to love beyond our ability. Help us to endure affliction. But help us to not worry about what anybody thinks about us, but help us to help them think about the one who loves them incredibly. And that's you, Jesus, because you paid an incredible price 
for us to have what we have. And Father, today I am thankful for Redeemer's Church. I am thankful for what you do in and through us. And I am blessed to prepare for 2024. That's going to be the best year that we have ever had as a church. And I firmly believe that. And so, Father, bless them and keep them. And let your face shine upon them. Let the joy of the Lord be their strength. And let this be an amazing week of opportunity to share the gospel of the kingdom of God. And today we say thank you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said amen. God bless you guys. Have a tremendous week. And remember, next Sunday is going to be an awesome service. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.